Well, welcome back again, and it's good to have all of us together once more. We want to welcome the listeners also who are on SoundCloud. Uh, we pray that you are encouraged by the messages, and we pray that this service on SoundCloud has been a blessing to you. Come, let's pray together before we start this evening's uh, teaching. Heavenly Father, we welcome you. Lord Jesus, we know you're here present with us. Holy Spirit, oh, how we need your anointing and your illumination. And so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you will guide us, empower us, and enable us. And as we dive into the Word and into Scripture, one request, Lord, reveal Jesus to us. Let us see Him afresh. Let us understand what the kingdom is all about. And may we find our alignment with you. So be with me, be with us all, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm continuing the social media terminology. In the last lesson when we spoke about following, if you are on Facebook or Twitter or any other social media, you know, the word follow has been already redefined for us by the social media scene. So this evening, today's lesson, I've entitled it Trending in Galilee. If you are not familiar with this term, it's also a social media term. And so if you look at that little picture there, it just says, uh, trending now. Now, what's a trend? Trend is something that is perhaps popular or people are talking about it. Uh, we look at fashion trends. We look at music style trends, okay, different kinds of trends. So the social media, they have picked up this one word called trend, and they've used it as if it's like a, a new verb. You know, what is trending now? What's the hot news? Uh, what's the buzz? Uh, what's the big thing? You know, what's the next thing that we should be looking out for? And that's a, that's a term that today we will be looking at. Now, how do you know what's a trend or what topics are trending? You look for this little symbol called the hashtag. So for the musicians here, for a while, you know, I was really very confused because to me, it's a sharp sign. Yeah. And we look at it and suddenly it's a hashtag. So that hashtag, once you put that little hash in front or hashtag in front, what you're doing is that you are literally tagging a word. And if enough people start to tag that same word, okay, it becomes a trend. And you can search whether on Twitter or any other social media, you key in hash something or hashtag something, and you will see the posts that are linked to that hashtag or tagged to that little, little sign. Now I'm seeing faces looking really confused. All right, so let me just quickly run you through an example. Now, over in the States, very recently, now, some of you may have read about an Oregon shooting. It was a very sad case. It happened in this community college. I hope I pronounce it correctly, but it's U-M-P-Q-U-A, Umqua, something like that, Umqua. Community College, U-C-C. The gunman goes into the college, rounds up the people, and apparently he asks certain various individuals, what is your religion? And once this guy says, I'm a Christian, he shoots them. So if you want to know what's trending or what's the news about, about uh, the UCC shooting, you will find hashtag UCC shooting and you'll find all the things that are linked to it. 
that's trending at that particular moment. Now, because he singled out Christians, Christians, of course, like all of us, we were encouraged by the faith and the boldness of those who readily stood up and said, I'm a Christian, knowing that perhaps his or her friend, just before him or her, you know, just got the bullet. And we say, wow, such faith. Now, everyone started trending then, together with even Ben Carson, the presidential candidate, with this one line, I am a Christian. Hashtag, I am a Christian. To show support for Christians all around the world, whether you knew the people or not, it did not matter. As long as you are a Christian and, you're, and you are happy and bold enough to declare it, you just write something and then you hashtag, I am a Christian. You see? So this is what it means to, to find something trending. What is the big news at that point in time? But this evening, we are using that to find out in the time of Jesus what was trending in Galilee. What was trending in Galilee? There was something that happened through this passage as we will read, and news just went all over the place. We're reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. Now, in the NIV, it translates it this way. News about him spread all over Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. This Jesus that was moving around Galilee, this was trending in Galilee. News was going all over the place. But before we get into this passage proper, let's remember context. Where the past two lessons, I've been trying to share with you something about Jesus moving into Galilee, into Capernaum permanently, after John the Baptist was put into prison. So let's remind ourselves, before this passage that we have just read, there was something of an appointed time. It was a timing of God. Otherwise, the news may not have spread in such a way. Have you realized something? Every marketeer wants his advertisement to go like wildfire. We call it to go viral. Everyone who does a blog post hopes that when he or she posts onto Facebook, 20,000 people will share it into 2 million, into 5 million, into 1 billion, right? Everybody wants to go viral, but it does not always happen. And I believe, as in this case, Jesus knew it was the right timing. He goes back into Galilee, settles into Capernaum, and He says, this is it. This is time now. And as He moves on, He starts to be the trend in Galilee. The second thing we must remember is that Jesus also, as He moves about, He is really the fulfilling of prophecy. Light has dawned. The people who have sat in darkness, who have dwelt in darkness after all this time, suddenly 
here comes light. And it's, it's probably, you know, that the right timing, a fulfillment of prophecy, this light breaks through like never before. At the same time, we see that it's not just for a, a fun thing, you know, just to get our numbers going up. There was a purpose, and it is the announcement of the kingdom. Whatever we have just read, it is all about the kingdom of God. Because Jesus comes on the scene and He declares, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And following that, He doesn't move around like a lone ranger, as we have established in the last teaching, he goes out with an invitation. And specifically, in the previous verses, we saw that he invited the fishermen, not that he has met them for the very first time, but he invites them to a deeper commitment. And for them, it meant giving up everything to follow him for the purpose of an appointed time, the fulfillment of prophecy, the announcement of the kingdom. That's the context. Otherwise, when we just read this one verse, you know, we will just think, oh, it's all right. Lah. He goes about and everything just happened. After all, he is son of God. Now, this is what has happened before that. And so we have Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, being sort of repeated in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And this is Matthew's style of making a point, repeating it, and sort of giving a conclusion or a summary of what Jesus does all over Galilee. Now, it looks very similar, but actually, it's a little bit different. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it primarily records the ministry of Jesus. And then after that, he goes out, he teaches, and the, the, the disciples just tag along. But when it comes to Matthew chapter 9, and Matthew closes off and all the description of what Jesus had already done. He summarizes it and that becomes an introduction and it records the condition of the multitudes and the need for laborers to be sent out. You see the difference here? Although the wording looks exactly the same, but it is a little bit different when you read the whole passage in its context. So let's dive into this first verse of Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. We see that there are three key elements of Jesus' ministry. The first is teaching. The second is preaching. And the third is healing. Let's take them one at a time as we get deeper to understand how Jesus went about his kingdom assignment. Let's look at teaching first. It records for us that Jesus was teaching in the synagogues. He goes to his own people first, and there are various synagogues in the various um, cities or villages that he moves about. If you remember, if you read the book of Acts, Paul does exactly the same thing. He will go to the synagogues first. He will declare it to his own people. And after that, if they rejected him, and most of them did, then he goes out into the field and then declares it to the Gentiles. So teaching, we see that it is usually happening within a smaller group. You can't do teaching with too large a group. Right? If you do a lecture-type style, that's almost tantamount to the second term, which we call preaching. In fact, the moment I hold a mic and talk to you, it's almost like a, a, a preaching already. 
although many people come here and consider this a teaching. If you really want to get into the understanding of the word teaching, it's always a smaller group and you see that they will teach within the synagogues and Jesus will teach also His disciples. Now, what does He teach? We have already shown you the context. What else will Jesus teach? He will teach about the kingdom of God. And wherever He went, He was always found you know, giving understanding bringing people into a deeper revelation and a correct interpretation of what kingdom of God entails and what it really means for each of them. Now, Matthew doesn't really record any of his conversations, um, at least I haven't come to it yet, you know, uh, in the synagogues. But let's look at one example uh, where we can find in the book of Luke. And Jesus was recorded to have gone back to Nazareth, his hometown, which is also still in Galilee, but remember that this already is the appointed time. So he goes in there, he opens up Isaiah, right? The scroll, and it just happened to be Isaiah. And he declares to say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the good news. And we know this, right? Isaiah 61 uh, onwards. And he declares that this today is fulfilled. And that's a very bold statement for a rabbi. And he says, look, this is, this is fulfilled. This is it. I'm the one. Yo, can you look at me? You know, it's fulfilled in me. And they looked at him and they were not angry with him. They were amazed. They were like, wow, I mean, that's cool. You, 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 you really mean that? So nothing, nothing was uh, bad about that, about him being the Messiah in that sense. But what really frustrated them was that Later on, they were questioning him to say, well, you come from Nazareth, you know, and why don't you perform some miracles for us and this stuff. So he begins to give two Old Testament illustrations. And he says, don't you know that Elijah, now everybody knows Elijah. Elijah was actually sent to the widow in Zarephath, in Sidon. And this is the one who provided for Elijah. In other words, the prophet is never welcome in his own hometown. So Jesus was telling them, look, I'm saying I'm the one. You say you're amazed, but I'm telling you something. You're not going to accept me. You know who's going to accept me? Someone outside of town. It's going to be somewhere else. Now, keep note of this name called Sidon. Then he goes on and he says, Don't you, have you heard about Elisha? So he talks about the master, and then he talks about the disciple, Elisha. So many lepers in Israel, not one of them was healed, but only Naaman, the who? The Syrian. Why? Because perhaps the rest of the people don't really want to listen to this prophet from your own hometown. It takes someone else outside to receive God's, God's sense. And he was teaching about the kingdom to say, this is what I'm trying to tell you. That although I'll declare kingdom amongst the people of God, the people of God may not fully receive kingdom. It will take someone outside of you to receive that. And when he declares that, that was when they got upset with him. Because literally what he's saying is this, I'm the anointed one, I'm the Messiah, I've come to establish the kingdom. And guess what, my dear friends in the synagogue? It is this kingdom that you're asking for and praying for and hoping for. Finally, when it's here, it's not only for God's people, but it's extended to all who desire to become God's people. Did you hear that? Right? But to the people of God, is it? No, cannot. It's for us. 
How can you give it to someone else? You mean anyone can just be like that? And Jesus was giving them an understanding of what kingdom of God really is because as the king, he is gracious and he invites all. Now, that sounds really good to us today, but in those days, the Bible then records that they got really upset with him. And he, they, they ran him out. And they were going to throw him over the cliff. And that's why Jesus up there tweeted, nearly got thrown over the cliff today. And then Jesus just walks through them, right? I mean, they're like, cool. Like, phew. And he saved. So Jesus, throughout his ministry, he was always teaching something about the kingdom. And we would think that the people would accept it readily, but we will learn that not everyone likes the teaching of the kingdom. Now I challenge you, it's the same today. We as church people, as God's people, oh, we love teaching because Singapore is teaching nation training nation, consultancy nation. I was just talking to someone today. Everyone is a consultant today. Why? Because there's money there. And Singapore has invested a lot in training, 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 and training. And that's why we're always having classes. <laughs> they like to attend the teaching. doesn't mean that they accept it fully. And why are we doing Kingdom 101? Because we are pushing down into a depth uh, that provokes our spirits. And I'll be the first to admit and confess to you that in these 20 plus sessions as I have read, I realize I have not lived kingdom the way the Lord desires that we live kingdom. And if I'm not aligned to kingdom, how can I then go about fulfilling kingdom assignment? And this is a great reminder for us that we don't come just for nice teachings. Wow, you know, I, I've heard it nice, very good. You know? And I'm thankful, I'm encouraged when you give me that comment. But I'll be even more thrilled if you say, I'm aligning with kingdom. I'm on kingdom assignment. Amen? So Jesus would go around and he would teach. But that was not all he did. It also records that he went about preaching the good news of the kingdom. You notice he didn't go around to preach the good news of salvation. He preached the good news of the kingdom. So let's unpack this a little bit more. This word preaching today, sadly, has been too closely related to people who stand in front with a pulpit, you know, uh, in the church. And so only such people are called to preach in that. So if I ask you to preach the kingdom, many of you would, would, would take a step back and say, oh, that's not me. I'm not called to do that. But if you look at the original word, it just means to proclaim. And usually, of course, it will be to a larger group as we have established. But think for yourself, if, you're just to, if it's just to proclaim, it's just to declare, it's just to speak out publicly, would you be willing to do that? Are you happy to do that with your relatives, with your friends, with people who are close to you? Will you proclaim, will you preach the kingdom? Sadly, also the word preach you know, has this nuance or connotation of being talked down to or being talked at. That's not the idea. It is really just to share the good news, to, to, to declare something that is of value. So Jesus talks about the good news of the kingdom. The first thing for us to remember is that it is not a new concept. The people didn't have to go through really Kingdom 101. They've heard about the kingdom. They know about the kingdom. The kingdom idea or the kingdom theme was not unfamiliar to the listeners of Jesus' days. 
what was tough for them was the understanding of what kingdom would be, right? And it had to be stretched, and it was, it was challenged by Jesus. And we are doing the same thing today as people of God in the church. We are being provoked. Our perspectives of what kingdom really is will just blow our minds. And if you want to walk and talk and live kingdom, well, get ready to be like an Australian. You walk upside down. Right? It's totally opposite to what we are doing, actually. And that's why we're not seeing the breakthrough and the manifestations of what kingdom power and authority is. Because we learn one thing, but we live another, and we think we're okay. But Jesus declared the good news of the kingdom. A few things to note. It's not new because it's an, a major Old Testament theme. If you read the prophets, it was always a declaration of the kingdom. Isaiah, right through all the other prophets. If you look at the two chapters that are devoted to try to develop a theme of the kingdom, from the time of Genesis all the way through to Revelation, do you know it's about the kingdom of God? The church just features for a season, and after that, you know, it's, it's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God started even before that. There was even this thing called the church that we belong to, right? The kingdom of God even started before there was this whole people called Israel. Because God institutes His kingdom, and then later on, He calls a man Abraham, and through that one man, births out a nation for Him to extend His kingdom through. So it's not a new theme. It's a, it's a familiar one, and you read it through Isaiah. And Isaiah, from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 66, you know, it's about the kingdom that one day everyone will be drawn to God. How exciting. Is that good news? That's great news. Nations will cease from wars. Do we need that, kingdom, uh, do we need that, that, that good news today? Nations will cease from wars. The Messiah will judge the, the poor and all with righteousness. It's going to be fair. It's going to be just. One brother was lamenting to me. He said, brother, this world is uh, very chalat, you know. Everything is so unfair. One. Who wants to say amen? We all agree. Everything unfair. So the kingdom is good news because there will be an establishment of righteousness. Look at the next one. The animals, the calf, the lion, they will dwell in peace. They won't eat each other. Neither will we. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It's a good news. Even the animals, creation, will come into shalom. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Man, that's good news. The brokenhearted will be healed. The prisoners will be released. Right at the end, there will be a new heavens and there will be new earth. See, the, the people knew all this. They just didn't understand how it's going to play out. It's a, it's a major theme. But when the rule and the reign of Messiah comes, it's good news because He will save us from everything we need to be saved from. Anything. He will deliver us. There will be a, a redemption. He will redeem us from what we are bonded to or bound to. There will be shalom, righteousness, there will be justice. And most of all, as we have already declared, it is a picture of restoration. And the kingdom is about future hope. It's good news. You notice Jesus never said anything about uh, 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 the sinner's prayer. Not here at least. Huh? I mean, we're like scratching our head. Where do we find the sinner's prayer? 
He didn't say that. He just says, look, this is the kingdom. This is it. In or out? You believe? Huh? You believe this king? No? I mean, here's the king. I mean, all of us during general election, we were wondering, can believe or not? Right? Because they're promising from left, right, center, all the way, you know, will be this, will be that. And we'll be like, you real or not? Jesus is doing the same thing. It's like, uh, but the, the difference is there's no election, you understand? You don't vote Jesus in. He's just king. So he says, you believe, align with me. If you don't believe, bye. And this invitation of the kingdom is made to all nations. All nations. Now you must remember, Galilee was a mixed multitude. It was not just Jews, it was also Gentiles because it's called Galilee of the Gentiles. Jesus was teaching in the synagogues, but Jesus was preaching out in the open and Jews and Gentiles would have heard this. It is an invitation to all nations, everyone. He's inclusive, but is on his terms. The third thing he does is that after he teaches and preaches, he brought healing. All kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Talking about restoration. Healing is a part of that restoration. And when we looked at, look at healing vis-a-vis -vis the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, the people were asking or looking for liberation from foreign rule. They were looking at that. Messiah, come. Release us from, oh, we've gone through the, the Babylonians, I mean the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Medo-Persians, the Romans. Like, we've had enough. We want you to come and save us from all these guys. But Suddenly, Jesus does nothing of that. It's not liberation from foreign rule, but actually liberation from another rule, another dominion called sin. You see, he, he brought a totally different perspective to the people of God, and that's why they couldn't understand it. And Matthew was really building this from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, because the angel tells Joseph, you are going to have a son, and his name shall be called Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Not from the Romans. Not from anyone else. But from their sins. So is there a liberation from foreign rule? You bet, yes. There's a liberation from another kingdom. It's not the Roman Empire. It's the kingdom of darkness. And that's why Jesus performed healings. Now we begin to see that people need to be released, freed from the power of sin. And later on, Paul would write this in Romans chapter 5, 6, and 7. To say that you are no longer under the power of sin. You don't have to obey sin anymore because you have been redeemed. You have been set free. You have died with Christ. You are raised to new life. That's the kingdom of God. You're under a new rule. You have a new master. His name is called righteousness. And Jesus would conduct healings or he would do that healing because it's a demonstration of the power and the authority that he has as Messiah, the king of this kingdom over sin and over another kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. And healing would be complete it would encompass physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, and not just only the natural, 
Although many of the healings, or all of the healings listed there, were natural physical conditions. It was also a spiritual healing where they were set free from demon possession, right? And oppression from any of these spirits. And the completion of that healing, or the completeness rather of the healing, Jesus would heal individuals. Why? Because the power of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom, is demonstrated first upon a person. It starts with us. But the rule and reign of the kingdom, when it comes upon an individual, doesn't stay there. It doesn't stop there. The healing will be brought to a societal communal healing. And it doesn't stay there also because from societal communal healing, Jesus is looking for global healing. It's all nations. That's the extent of the kingdom. He starts with the individual because once the kingdom comes into us and we recognize the rule, the reign, the power, the authority, then we realize that we become a kingdom person to bring it to our community. And it gets global. And all will want to know Jesus. Amen. And yet more than that, the healing is so complete that it's not just for this age. It is eternal. That's the ultimate healing that we will receive. So Jesus taught, Jesus preached, and Jesus healed. But as I prepared this, I felt there's a need to talk a little bit more about healing. So I'm going to press in a bit more. And whenever we talk about healing, there are questions that surround healing. And I hope to just touch on some of these. Because after this, if Jesus taught and He preached, and after that He healed, this is what we're going to do. We are teaching now, we are preaching now, and after that, we will be healing. Can I have an amen? Alright? But let's get some foundation correct. First to remember is Jesus heals all. And the word all can be looked at from two perspectives. We see in this first verse, Jesus went about healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Now in the Greek, the word the people is translated from the word laos. And previously I shared with you, laos usually would can, can refer to all kinds of people, but it usually refers to the people of God, a, a, a group of people. So that's where we get the English word laity. Right? So if we are in the church and we're called the laity, then we are the Laos, would you agree with me then? God's healing is for God's people first. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. Now where is Syria? Now Syria today, not, not a very nice name. Huh? Nobody likes that name too much today. But in those days, I believe it's, we've looked at it and the atlas, it could be modern-day Lebanon, where you have the, the region where they call it Phoenicia. Remember the Syro-Phoenician woman? Where we have the cities like Tyre and Sidon. Familiar? Just now we mentioned Sidon. right? And Naaman who came from Syria. So these are not God's people. These are Gentiles. It's Gentile country just up north from Galilee. So Jesus heals all God's people and His fame spreads to non-God's people. Can we say that? 
And he goes, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with all those things, and he healed them. Can I conclude from this one passage from Matthew that Jesus heals all people? Yes? He didn't say, can you believe in me first? Did you say a sinner's prayer? When was the last time I saw you in church? Oh, you bad boy. No healing for you. Yeah? Jesus heals all people. I want you to get this within your heart, okay? Sometimes we feel we have to make them become Christian first. No need. Not from this passage. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I just want the scripture to speak to us. Not only that, do you realize Syria, they're not only just Gentiles. They were all arch enemies. Enemies. Jesus heals enemies. Very quiet. This kingdom. I told you, you'll, you'll prick your heart, right? It's like, how do we... I mean, already God's people, own God's people, we have problem with. How do we live kingdom? Could this, as I was studying this, could this have been a forerunner to Paul's ministry? You remember Paul was on the road to where? Damascus, that's Syria. When he was zapped by the Lord. After that, where does he go? He goes into Antioch, which became a missionary base. Where is Antioch? Antioch is in Syria. Founded by whom? This guy called Antiochus Epiphanes. Do you know what he did? He desecrated the temple. He killed the Jews. And God uses that place for a kingdom base. Because of Jesus, I believe. The second aspect is that Jesus heals all kinds of diseases and sickness. All! This list is not exhaustive. I think Matthew would have run out of paper or parchment if he really wanted to record, right? Remember John said, this is just a sample of what Jesus did. And I, my, my purpose is that you will believe that He is the one. So Matthew would have tried to maybe record all this and maybe there were no names to some of the diseases, but it's okay. Because name or no name, can pronounce name or cannot pronounce that name, it's all right. There's only one name that we need to know. His name is Jesus, right? Every disease will have to bow to the name of Jesus. So just now, my dear brother Vincent said TIA. I still don't know what it stands for. You know, and a lot of Greek terms nowadays, this is what it means, this is what it means. I don't know. We just pray. Amen? In the name of Jesus. Because it says for us that Jesus heals all. All people, all sickness. Later on, Matthew actually links this to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. It's like he has this revelation after the death of Jesus and he writes this and he looks at Isaiah or the Holy Spirit prompts him and he says, I know now why he has that power to do it. And today, because he has done it for us, now we can also pray in his name because he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This is the king. He didn't say, let's throw it away. He says, no, I'll take it upon myself for you. This is the king. He gave himself as an exchange for us. And it's to all people and it's for all diseases. I know you will agree with me. These two points are easy to agree with. 
the bigger challenge is when we speak about healing, there are other major issues that also crop up. And I'll just handle two because time does not permit us to go too deep into it. There are some people, and many I would presume, and perhaps I may have asked it in the same way before, Oh God, why am I not healed? Or why is not someone healed? Could there be something I'm missing? What's the hashtag? Faith. Hashtag sin. Are these issues common? Right? Let's just look at it a little bit more. And um, I hope it would help us in our study. So the first thing about faith is in the faith healing movement, you often hear this. You need faith to be healed. And they'll cite Jesus' words, your faith has healed you, you know, you have great faith, I've not seen this in all of Israel, you know, and he, he talks about the faith of a person. And that sounds right, you look at it biblically, you, you can find verses. But it also implies that if you have no faith, then you won't have healing. Or conversely, because you have not received your healing, that's because you had no faith. Heard that before? Has it caused you some anxiety at times? Or it's not that you don't have faith. The reason you are still not healed is because your faith is just not enough. It's not good enough. It's not big enough because Jesus is you of little faith. See, this is the faith teaching. And I've gone through much of that. I have myself bought into some of that in my growing up years as a Christian. And it sounded correct, but in experience, it was difficult for me. So I'm being honest with you. So if you struggle like I do, we are in that same predicament. I want you to know that Many times in the Bibles, out of the recorded healings, about 41, someone counted, you can plus minus there. 16, that means less than 50%, touch on the issue of faith. The rest of the healings, there was no mention of faith. Not all healings were attributed to the faith of that person. And so when I look at these, very simply it tells me, Whether there's faith or not, healing can occur. Come on, say amen. Whether there's faith or not, healing can take place. God can heal. It's not contingent upon how good I am, how great I am. Everything depends on who and how great our God is. And I hope this helps you. I know it's just one line. But maybe I can put it this way. Where there is no faith, there can still be healing. We agreed that. My question is, where there's no healing, will there still be faith? So I want to challenge us this evening, friends. We can drum up as much faith as you want. Stretch it as you want. And fine, I I don't mind if you want to try and do that. But can I say to you, please let there be no condemnation. Don't let guilt come into your heart. My faith is not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. Hello, who made you worthy? Jesus. Who will heal you? Jesus. 
And my heart breaks because when someone holds out for this and they buy into this teaching and they go week after week, meeting after meeting because of faith, and healing does not come or has not come yet, and you're being subjected to all this kind of uh, accusation, they lose faith when they should have more faith, right? I'll tell you what faith is. Faith is believing in God and still believing that He can heal. But faith is also continual trust in God, whether healing comes in your time or even later or maybe not at all. That is still faith. Amen? And I don't want this to condemn you. I don't want this to bring guilt. And I say this to myself also. Because we still need healing. And we have not come fully into that yet. Does it mean I have no faith? I'm not trying to justify myself. But if I buy into this, and if I'm not careful, condemnation sets in. Guilt sets in. And that is not in Christ. The second thing is about sin where there is a teaching that says every sickness is because of sin or it's from the devil because it cannot be from God. God does not send sickness. It cannot be of the Lord. Now, there's some uh, justification for that. But because of that, you extend it. Then it just means that if you are not well or if you are sick, then there obviously must have been some sin or there is still sin in you. Maybe it's hidden sin. Maybe it's generational sin. Maybe it's this sin, that sin, whatever sin, but God's sin. Yes? So we must repent of every sin. So every day you're repenting and repenting. Repentance is good. But if it becomes something that you're like, oh dear, did I miss something? Did I miss one thing? Then that is not in Christ. Okay, you want to repent of generational sin? Yeah, you can be aware of what your parents or your grandparents did, your great-grandparents did, but some people go 40 generations. I, 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 I am still wrestling with that. I say, how far back do you want to go? If you go far enough, you hit Adam. Uh. <laughs> so somewhere down the line or somewhere up the line, uh, you, you, you prove that theory, you understand? Because Adam sinned. And that's why we're in this position. So, uh, how do you understand generational sin? Or generational curse? And so there's this big argument, whether it's this, whether it's that. I mean, you go wrestle. You go find out. But the point is, do you have to dig out every sin? Do you know, some, sometimes people are made to, 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 to go through simulation of birth because they had a traumatic time coming out of the birth canal and we understand how difficult that might be. And people identify that, that because of that, the spirit within the baby or the child is hurt or damaged. And from that point on, that's why you are living this kind of a life. So you got to go back and let the Holy Spirit recall for you that birth process and God will heal you in that process and you'll be all fine. I can't find scripture for that. I really can't. So you help me if you know. But I really have trouble with that. 
So in John chapter 9, Jesus meets a blind man. And the disciples asked the Lord, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? Must be him or the parents, what? Otherwise, where got born blind? That was a singlish translation. <laughs> and Jesus replies, neither. He's like, hello? Neither. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, does it mean that the man was perfect and did not have sin? No. We were all born in sin, we know that. But Jesus is making a very clear statement. You can't attribute everything to sin. So what can we learn about healing then and this topic of sin? Will you agree with me? Adam sinned and death entered humanity, yes? But the Adamic sin has been dealt with at the cross. That's what my Bible says. That sin no longer has power because Jesus has taken everything upon Himself. That's His blood. But the consequence of that Adamic sin continues. Am I right? Who's not going to die? Death will still overtake us, yes? At some point. So the consequence of Adamic sin is still within this system. But that has been dealt with at the cross. And though we die, the Apostle Paul declares, death has been conquered. We have victory in Jesus Christ. And so our hope is in the resurrection and the eternal life that we will spend with Jesus. Healing or not, here at this time. Am I making sense, my friends? You want to talk about sin, let me just make one point to you. Can you and I live a sin-free life? Let's be honest. The answer is no. That's why we cannot be perfect. Jesus has to be that perfect sacrifice for us so that when we believe in Him, we are hidden in Christ and clothed in His righteousness. If you want to wait for us to have a sin-free life, Hokkien say tan ku ku. Wait long, long. Even eternity also cannot. Yeah? So cannot. So we can't live sin-free. But do you know, let's look at that a little bit more. Many illnesses are really a result of our, our poor choices. Of food, of lifestyle. Psychosomatic situations. Where you worry, 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 and then you get headache. Huh? Then you're wondering, I didn't sin what? Yes, you did. You worried. So you're attributed? Yes. Why do you worry? No, normal, I worry. No, it's not that. Jesus said, trust Him. Yeah, but you know it's very difficult to trust. Ah, there you sin already. What? You didn't live according to God's way. See that? You work and you know day, no night. You suffer you know, certain consequences. He said, I didn't sin. No, you did. He said, how? God said, rest. Observe the Sabbath. Oh, you didn't live according to God's ways and His words. Is that called sin? Yes. So in a sense, yes. Because of our decisions, we do inherit some of these things or bring some of these things upon ourselves. Now, even if you would live perfectly, do you know what's the problem today also? Every food that we're eating is processed. 
We've got synthetics in there. We've got chemicals inside down there. You want to live correctly? Don't eat these. Go kosher. He said, oh, but I cannot, but I never sin. God knows I need to eat. I said, I know, but you're eating someone's manipulation of what is not of God, actually. Now, please, huh? those in food technology, I know you're doing the best to give us nice laksa taste. I'm, it's not that I don't appreciate. All I'm telling you is that whatever you guys are doing or whatever they are doing, it is still chemical. And chemicals will not do us good in the long run. You see, chemical and pharmaceuticals is man's way of helping us preserve and prolong what sin is pulling down. There's only one hope. His name is Jesus. You see, so... If you want to live a balanced, a moderate life, you watch what you eat. You, you go by, live by God's way, uh, uh, rest, you know, create space, and we all need that reminders. And even medication, I mean, it helps us. Praise God for medication. But it's still chemicals, friends. Do you know every medication you take has a side effect? Then you take something to counter that side effect. Then you take something to counter that side effect. You take something, then you come back to the square one. Then you're wondering, how come I'm paying my bills? Thank God for MediShield Life. <laughs> so friends, kingdom is, understand what the king is saying. Live his ways. Because his advice is good. He said, my laws are not to kill you, my laws are for your good. Amen. But we can't live that perfectly. There's a consequence of Adamic sin. And he says, no worries. I've conquered that already. Hallelujah. When I, when I say the issue of sin affects our understanding of healing, I'm not trying to tell you, don't worry about sin. Like, sin all you want. Like, it's not healing. The, 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 the healing and the disease is nothing to do with it. It has its consequences. I'm saying to you, you go, don't, go, don't go on a witch hunt. Don't try and dig out sin for yourself and dig until everything. The Holy Spirit convicts you, you repent. Lord, bring something to mind. You say, thank you, Lord, for showing this to me. That was my brokenness when I was maybe 10 years old or I was abused, you know. But to go and dig for that, I don't see that in the Bible. I believe in the name of Jesus. Maybe too simplistic, but it's my faith at this point in time. So let me give you four statements um, about healing. Just personal convictions, there can be more. The first is, God is still in the business of healing. And this is really just to go against a, a thought or a teaching that the gifts have ceased. That the gifts are no longer for today. It was only for the first century church because they needed the power of God to demonstrate something. I believe God still heals. Amen? Yeah? He's the same God. He's unchangeable. I believe he still heals. I just don't know how he does it, when he does it. I can't figure that out. My point is that we keep trusting. I will still pray for people to receive healing because I believe he heals. Second thing to be convinced is that healing is only a foretaste. Now, I'm not minimizing anyone's pain or struggle. But say what you like. Healing is only a foretaste of the full and final restoration to come. Because I can receive my healing today, but there will come a time my body will still break down and I will die. Yes? 
And so, whilst I look to a physical healing to extend my time and also to reduce my pain, I must see that if healing should come, then it's a foretaste of what I will receive at the end. Amen? And I believe that's what Jesus was doing. He healed these people and said, look at this. This is what it is. That in that time when the kingdom fully comes, everyone will be like that and even more. It's a foretaste. It's a touch of that glory. And so I look, we must look towards that. And don't try to, to create something or extend life. And that's why, come for the talk, we're talking about bioethics, eugenics, uh, uh, gene manipulation, uh, trying to get our genes stronger, you know, where we're pumping animal stuff into ourselves so that we can live longer. Transhumanism, where robotics come into us, you know, so that we can have a stronger arm. Uh, it's man's desperation of trying to be better and live longer. It's only a foretaste. It demonstrates the kingdom's authority. The thing is, okay, sickness is not from God. Well, you agree with me. Whatever is not of God can still be used by God. Agree? And so whatever that sickness is, I'm not saying accept it as my Lord. You know, some people, oh, I'm here. If I, if I, if I accept it, then they tell you, can I accept? If you accept, then you receive it, then you'll stay with you forever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying as I'm suffering through now, I'm praying for healing, but as I go through, Lord, will you help me suffer well? Now you understand why sick people are called patients? Because it trains long-suffering, amen? It's tough. Guys, we don't wish this on anyone. I just came from the hospital before coming here. One of our church friends, four weeks ago, his son, 14 years old, at night, his entire body went numb. It was a very rare thing, and it affects only like four or five people a year in Singapore. But if you had that four or five, it's not good news. Today, he's paralyzed from neck down. It's a viral thing where they cannot track how it, how it hit him. The church has rallied around this couple and the family praying. We just had managed to have a time to just go down there and pray with them. And I talked to the father and talked to the mother. I said, how are you guys? And I tell you, I don't think they're putting this up as a show. Man, I tell you, they are concerned for the son but they were strong in the Lord. And in the last three to four weeks, the Lord has walked with them, been with them, appeared also in times to the Son. The Son has been in good spirits, although He cannot talk. He cannot move. I went in there and I said, you remember me? I hear you've been a trooper, you've been a real brave man. Do I pray for healing? Of course I pray for healing. Was this of the Lord? Let's debate. But whatever is not of the Lord can still be used by God for His glory and His honour. Amen? So you align yourself. Align yourself with Him so that when, if, if something like that should come upon us, may His grace be sufficient for us. This is one truth. Everyone needs healing. Everyone needs healing that is found in Christ. There's not one person here that does not need healing. And if you understand what healing is all about, it's not just a physical healing, amen? 
And even if it's a physical healing, do you know that our bodies are not functioning at 100%? So if you only function at 99%, you still need healing. Most of the time, we are managing. Most of the time, we are compensating. And the more we compensate, the worse it becomes. And that's why it manifests after a while when the body can't take it anymore, it blows up. And we become sick and we become diseased. Everyone in this room needs healing. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever it is. And I say, it can be found in Jesus Christ. So Jesus goes around Galilee. Man, it was trending. People were talking about him. I mean, you think about this. When we heal, when we pray and one person gets healed, we make a big deal of it. We post it on Facebook, you know. We put it on our website. It's like, oh, Jesus healed. What if you would heal 10 tonight? Oh, we'll make a big deal. What if we heal 50 tonight? How about 100? I think we'll make headline news, right? You guys will start to tweet about it. And that's what the guys did. Check out this cool guy from Galilee, man. Haven't heard this kind of teaching before. Hey, people getting healed left, right, center. Eh? Hashtag trending in Galilee. News about him spread. What was the result? Great multitudes followed him. From Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and even beyond the Jordan. Jesus was trending in Galilee. As we close, I want to follow Jesus too. And I want to follow His ways, the way He talks about the kingdom and He releases the power of the kingdom. And I've changed the sequence a little bit with some creative license. I put it as preaching, teaching, and healing. And these three elements are important. If you want to be on kingdom assignment, I think these three things are important for us. Do you also notice that in preaching is declaration, in teaching there's discussion, but in healing there's demonstration. In preaching there's proclamation, but in teaching there's a process. In healing there's a practice. Are you catching this now? So in your own growth, in your own walk as disciples and followers and believers of Jesus Christ, I challenge you, make sure all three elements are in your life and in your Christian walk. That when you hear a word of declaration, hear a, pro a word of proclamation, don't just be happy to say amen. You've got to get into a time where you're able to have discussion with people, especially with someone who knows more and to guide you, and to be taken along a process. But don't stop there, because after Jesus did these things, He would demonstrate, He would make things active, and there will be practice. Later on, He sends His disciples out. He says, I give you the same power, the same authority, now you go do it. And I look at these three words and I say, wow, Lord, did you copy me? Or did I copy you? And I look at our keepers awakening, and I see the three words, What's an awakening? How do we awaken someone? What are we doing? We are proclaiming the message of our keepers, right? We are declaring. That's what we are doing. We are stirring. We are making people jump out of their seats and allow the Holy Spirit just to, to take them to a next level. But if you stop there, that's all. They'll go back to sleep. You need the aligning. And the aligning is where you come together with people of like mind, a haverim, 
disciples, students learning together so that you can discuss and you can process. And it's a series, a sequence of time. But then study so much for what? It's so that we can be assigned. And that's where we get out there. And it's not just demonstrating healing, but also demonstrating, practicing everything about the kingdom. And it comes through the assignment of the kingdom. I said, Lord, this is what I want for the people. You start with me, God. You help me. And I said, who knows? Who knows? Just who knows? If we took this seriously to heart, friends, who knows what would happen, right? Maybe we begin a trending in Kingdom 101. But why stop there? Can we not have trending in Singapore? The kingdom is just overrunning now. Lives for Jesus Christ. But why stop there? Why not trending in Asia? Because Jesus is doing something in, in the region of Asia this time. But why stop there? Shouldn't it not be the kingdom taking over the entire world? For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can it be done? Can it be done? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a word again. Scripture says that you sent forth your word and healed them. And we believe that, Lord, that today the word of the kingdom has been proclaimed. We have taught it, Lord, to the best of our ability. It's not about how accurate I've got it, Lord, but I pray for the spirit of the king to rest upon it. I want to pray for the listeners who are not here physically with us this evening. And if you're listening on SoundCloud right now, this is for you. We want to administer healing and it does not have to be you being here. But if you're listening in right now and you believe every word that has been declared about Jesus and His kingdom, His power and His authority, if you have a condition that requires healing, will you just lift this to the Lord right now? Whatever that might be, maybe physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, we lift these to you right now to know that God, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, come upon that. Break into this brother or this sister's life situation. Bring healing. Bring restoration. Show them the power and the authority of the kingdom. Give them a foretaste of what this is all about. Let them experience your goodness and your glory. That they too, having received the kingdom, will be a kingdom vehicle, also an ambassador to bring the same to many others. And Lord, we thank you for that. Declaring and ex accepting it is entirely by your grace. And we receive it. And so we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.